You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national and international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is produced by the courageous Kelly Whitlock. Whitworth. No, I was trying to protect you. Nobody wants to be associated with the Anarchist World This Week, Kelly. I'm trying to get you a job as a CEO in some company somewhere, a, a non-ethical company. And if you're non-ethical, you can't be associated with the anarchist world this week. Now, Kelly Whitworth, if you want a job with an ethical company, we'll use the name Kelly Whitworth as producer. If you want an unethical job, it, it's Kelly Whitford. How's that sound? <laughs> all right. Might just, just go. A bit of fun. Welcome to all the people uh, up and down Australia, all those that are struggling under the rain, which we call God's Tears here on this program, God's Tears for Humanity. Uh, obviously, it's not a joke for those people who are facing uh, floods and uh, total destruction. So obviously, um, hopefully, uh, things won't turn out as bad as they people are telling us it's going to be. That's the main thing. Also, also extend our sympathies to all those people who lost friends and relatives in the... Uh, Bali bombing 20 years ago. So, what have you got to talk about? Well, we've got a few things to talk about, nothing particularly exciting. Um, a lot of it may seem like repetition, but unfortunately, when you're, on, you're an activist, it's all about, life can be all about repetition, repetition, repetition. Because sometimes people don't listen, or they don't want to listen, they can't listen, they can't grasp things, and uh, as we see with advertising, repetition does seem to do the trick. Now, if you want to know is all about, anarchos without rulers. That's not, not without rules, without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people on the planet today? Inequalities in power and wealth. Nothing new, nothing new. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is an ongoing struggle to create a society where people do not exercise power or use their wealth to determine other people's present and future. Very simple concept. There's nothing radical about it. It's been part and parcel of the human experience since we uh, crawled out of the sea. So inequalities in power and wealth. It's about rulers, not rules. Obviously, how do you organise such a society? 
Well, direct dem- democracy is one way of uh, approaching the issue. How do you ensure that uh, there is equality as far as access to wealth is concerned? Common storehouse economics, which is not based on barter, uh, is another concept that we can uh, explore. But the whole purpose of the anarchist world this week is to try to make sense of today's world by um, giving a little bit of a different analysis to the uh, boring stuff you hear on the Government Guild at ABC and the uh, corporate-owned media. Now, I'm a little bit fascinated by the concept of selective outrage. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I'm, I've, I've been noticing, especially in the last few years, that selective outrage has been the um, main driving force of social media and the legacy media. They seem to be working in tandem. Selective outrage. I'll give you an example. The old good war, bad war, you know, selective outrage. Now, currently, there are a number of wars, quite nasty wars, happening around the world. Now, we all know about the Ukrainian war. We all know about the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And uh, if there's a missile barrage and 14 people are killed in the Ukraine, we're well aware of the situation. Obviously, it's in a European theatre, in inverted commas, and uh, we tend to take notice of what's happening in Europe. So that's a good war. Now, that's a... No, that's a as far well, it's a bad war. But then there's a lot of other wars going on, which we seldom hear about. For example, in Tigray, in northern Ethiopia, we've had the a war there, where the local people have been trying to obtain autonomy and possibly independence for decades. And they're currently involved in a quite a vicious struggle between the Ethiopian, a coalition of the Ethiopian Eritrean government against the Tigray rebels. Now, as in the Ukraine, I don't take sides, okay? War is terrible. It is a terrible way to resolve conflict. You know that and I know that. At the end of the day, there are no winners and losers. A lot of dead people, a lot of damage. Well, there are winners, those corporations which do the rebuilding and rearmament, they're all, they always win in war, but as far as ordinary people are concerned and even unordinary people are concerned, wars are dirty, ugly, nasty business. And in the 21st century where you don't have to see somebody and uh, stab them you know, through the guts with your, with your sword, you can actually cause mega destruction by pressing a button and cause mega destruction 10,000 kilometres away The civilian population is the population which basically bears the brunt of the casualties. And in most wars in the 20th and 21st century, uh, especially since the um, Spanish Civil War, 90% of casualties have basically been civilians. People are caught up in the struggle between opposing forces, whether it's because of religion or nationalism or whatever. So there are a lot of nasty obviously, things that happen in a wartime situation. But what we tend to do in the 21st century is to have a hierarchy 
of war. And that hierarchy of war is actually not based on the death toll or the damage caused, but based on whether it is part of our sovereign nation state's strategic interests, in inverted commas, to be involved in that particular conflict. So currently, we've had a war in Yemen, which is a proxy war between Iran and the United States of America, which is being carried out via Saudi Arabia, which has been raging there for over five years. And in that war, the casualties, both direct and indirectly as a result of that war, now range in the hundreds of thousands. But you're hard-pressed to hear anything about that war and why that war is occurring and the proxy nature of that war. In Tigray, which I mentioned before, which the war there has been going on for about 15 months, latest casualty estimates are about 150,000 and another 5 million people are facing starvation as a result of a blockade by the Ethiopian Eritrean forces of that particular area. And again, we don't see many United Nations resolutions or debates regarding what's happening in Tigray. Those of you who are old enough may remember the carnage that occurred in Sri Lanka 10 years ago when over 100,000 Tamils were murdered within a few days during the final part of that armed conflict. And then, closer to home, let's not forget West Papua. Let's not forget little old West Papua. About 1.2 million Indigenous people sharing West Papua with about a million Indonesian migrants. Many of them were forcefully relocated to West Papua. Over 500,000 dead in the last 60 years. An ongoing, nasty, evil war. And how little emphasis or interest there seems to be in the Australian media, especially the corporate-owned media, regarding the situation in West Papua. And those of you who may cast your minds back 20 to 25 years, remember the Bougainville conflict, where over 50,000 people died, directly and indirectly, as a result of the Australian and Papua New Guinea blockade of that island and armed incursion in that island when they were fighting for their independence. So there is no such thing as a good war. All wars are bad. But I think it's important that we don't somehow ignore conflicts that occur in other parts of the world because they may not suit our, as a nation-state, not mine or yours, but as a nation-state, strategic aims, may not suit the alliance we are part of. And talking of alliance, I've, uh, something very interesting has happened in the last 24-hour Guam, which is basically a dependency of the United States of America. It's really not an independent country. Wants to now join the Pacific Island community. It's a little bit like uh, at their forum meetings that you've got a... Uh, a third party sitting there 
listening to the debate. It's quite fascinating how the United States is trying to reincorporate the specific islands through an economic pact, but more importantly through other ways like uh, having uh, one of the dependencies uh, join the Pacific Island Forum. So these are things that we need to think about because in these days of war, we are all, that's right, we are all possible victims because war to a significant degree is conducted long range. And if you see pictures coming out of Yemen or Ukraine or Tigray, you actually see the damage which is caused, especially when one side has the military capability to lay the other side waste, irrespective of the civilian damage. So next time you hear some report about the Ukraine, try to get some information about what's going on in other parts of the world because ultimately we are all part of one community. And it's not about selective outrage, it's about outrage, it's about total outrage, not about one particular conflict, but about all the unnecessary conflicts that are occurring as one sovereign nation state attempts to take over another sovereign nation state or as independence movements try to break away from a sovereign nation state. And let's not forget the proxy wars that are occurring all over the world, whether it's a proxy war with the Pacific Island nations or a proxy military war in Yemen. I think it's important that we remember these things. Let's move on. The other thing I'm interested in is, again, selective outrage regarding theocracies, you know, Sovereign nation states which are based on so-called interpretations of religious texts. Now, what we've seen over the last 30 or 40 years is the rise of autocratic, theocratical states. And although you may not consider India to be a theocracy, the fact is that the ruling party is a Hindu nationalist party and the policies which have been implemented by the ruling party are parties which promote Hindu nationalism. Now, obviously, in Iran, for the last 45 years, the people in Iran have been hostages to a theocracy and in Afghanistan. But what we forget is Obviously, there are riots currently in Iran and hopefully those riots will lead to something different in that particular country. But the fact is that there is a huge concentration and media attention on the Iranian situation, which is reasonable. But there is no media attention and no concentration on the situation in Saudi Arabia. Because, see, Saudi Arabia, they're our friends. They're our allies. And although they have policies 
which make the Iranian Iranian theocracy look like a you know kid stuff. We never seem to make any bones about it. We even saw President Biden go to Saudi Arabia to shore up that alliance. So it's not about good dictators and bad dictators, good theocracies, bad theocracies, good wars and bad wars. They're all bad. They're all they're all revolve around the concentration of power in the hands of a minuscule minority and that minuscule minority using that power to impose their ideas and their will on people. It's that simple. So if you're continually flooded, and I said about this at the beginning of the program, it's about repetition. If you're continually flooded by the same images, the same analysis, the same viewpoints, the same presenters, whether it's on social media or the legacy media, obviously we tend to get dragged into this good war, bad war, good theocracy, bad theocracy, good guys and bad guys, you know, uh, simplistic interpretation, which seems to be making the rounds in 2022. So think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio satellite. Now, if you're living in Melbourne, uh, there will be a debate which has been hosted by the City of Melbourne. Is Australia doing enough to support West Papua? And it will be at the Melbourne City Council's Yarra Room at the corner of Collins and Swanson Street, Melbourne, at 2pm on Sunday. So you can either turn up on the day, and I understand that... uh, 20 seats have been reserved for uh, West Papua Rent Collective members. Or you can go to the website, frwpwomensoffice at gmail.com. frwpwomensoffice at gmail.com. Or you can ring on 0424-745-145. So... If that's your thing, those type of debates, well, please turn up. I think it's important that people turn up to these type of uh, things. This has been organised by the West Papuan Office, Women's Office. Um, right. All right, let's move on. Toscano for Mulgrave. Yes, am I Sancho Panza or am I Don Quixote? The Toscano for Mulgrave. Campaign. The Toscano for Mulgrave campaign is now gearing up and uh, as I keep saying, nothing really happens without your help. I mean, one individual is one individual, 30 people is 30 people. Big difference. Now, this campaign is not about yours truly being elected. Not that I'd ever have a snow, snowflakes chance in hell of unseating the Victorian Premier, Mr Daniel Andrews. But it's about trying to shift the political debate and the political agenda into positive human-focused reforms. That's right, positive human-focused reforms. If you listen to the uh, opposing candidates at this state of the election, if you live in Victoria, you'd be amazed by the short-sighted nature of the reforms and the fact that um, there's very little real debate. 
So these policies are, de- are designed to satisfy the policies I'm put into the electorate are designed to satisfy basic human needs and help struggling micro and small businesses. That's right. And they revolve around food security, energy security, public housing, public health, public education, and last but not least, recreation. And there are mechanisms by which to fund these by actually applying a new taxation regime. That's right, new taxes new taxation regime on those corporations and individuals who basically have more than $5 million in property and the list goes on and on. So the campaign is there. Now, as I said before, there are three ways you can help. People ring me and they email me and they ask me how you can help. Three ways. You don't have to do all three. You can just do one of the three or none of the three. You may think, It's a total waste of time. But I keep saying to people, being resigned to the status quo or being cynical about the need or the possibility of change is the aphrodisiac of those who exercise power. We've had a challenge to that power, irrespective of how minuscule that challenge is. There is no shift in policy, none whatsoever. So if you're interested in the campaign, I suggest you go to the Facebook page, Toscano, the number four, Mulgrave, Toscano for Mulgrave, very simple. Go to that web page and it'll give you an idea of the policies that I will be looking at. Now, how can you help if you're interested? Donations are welcome. I'm trying to raise $5,000 to pay printing costs. So, and I'm happy to pro- I provide receipts for every donation. Very simple. Donations are helpful. Now, obviously, not everybody has money to spare for this type of campaign. But you do have time. And I need 30 to 40 people to letterbox the Mulgrave electorate, which includes the suburb of Mulgrave and Springvale. Now, we'll be doing that on Sunday, the 30th of October and Sunday, the 6th of November. So put those two dates, if you can actually help to letterbox... It's good for you because you do a bit of exercise, lose a bit of weight, meet some interesting people, put forward a few ideas into people's uh, lives which they uh, may not be familiar with. So I'll be there to coordinate this distribution of leaflets. In the interim, if you want to learn more about that campaign, you can join me if you're in Melbourne tonight between 6 and 9pm at the monthly dinner we have at uh, La Porquetas in Ligon Street, Carlton North. You can join me, rain or no rain, tomorrow morning, not not tomorrow morning, tomorrow from midday to 1pm on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House for the Public Housing Everybody's Business campaign. And obviously public housing is a big element 
of the campaign and we would fund it. We would house 100,000 Victorians, not 20,000 like the federal government wants to do over a five-year period for the whole of Australia, but 100,000 Victorians every year in public housing by quarantining 50% of stamp duty receipts on the sale of homes for public housing. You don't have to build massive blocks. You can actually spot purchase around the state. So that's one thing we could do. So that's that's part of it. So now, if you can't make it and you want to have a lunch at the uh, Paramount uh, Food Court in Little Burke Street, top end of Little Burke Street, I think, and um, what is it, uh, Exhibition Street, up to 3pm I'll be there. We can discuss that, okay? So there, there are two things. And on, and on Sunday, that's right, this Sunday, yes, there are. I am a glutton for punishment. I'll be outside the Springvale Railway Station. Why the Springvale Railway Station? One, there's a little nice little area next to it where we can meet. And two, if you haven't got a car, it's pretty easy to catch a, a train to Springvale, to the Springvale Railway Station. I'll be there from 2 to 5 p.m. to actually explain the campaign and how you can help. Now, obviously, pre-polling, and a lot of people pre-poll these days, will begin on Monday the 14th of November. So I'm looking for people. If you can't, if you don't want to hand out, if you don't want a letterbox, if you haven't got any money, I'm looking for people to actually be at the polling booth from the 14th to the 25th of November while pre-polling is open. Obviously, we don't know where that will be, but obviously it will be somewhere in the electorate of Mulgrave. And as we get closer to the date, we'll know what's going on. And on election day, again, I'll need about 30 people to cover all the polling booths in the electorate of Mulgrave. So again, you're not doing this to elect me, all right? This is not going to happen. But we are doing this to try to shift the focus from the current never-ending growth for growth's sake, construction for construction's sake, blitz, which seems to be part and parcel of the Victorian experience. What I'm interested in is positive human-focused reforms. I've been a doctor for 47 years, longer than I care for remember, and a radio broadcaster for 45 years, and an activist for 55 years. And what I've learned in that time is that if you don't have positive human-focused reforms, nothing ever changes. You ever ask yourself, why, why year after year after year after year after year after year after year there's a debate about housing affordability? Obviously, the structural you know, structures that are there to provide housing for people, whether it's ownership or rental or, or whatever, are not fitting the bill. And we need to look at things in a different way. Why is this constant debate about access to health care? Well, this is a very rich society, an exceptionally rich society, compared to many societies around the world. We are blessed with natural resources. So why do we find ourselves in this situation? Why do one million children 
live in poverty in this country from a population of 25 million. Why do we have billionaires and millionaires while Australian children live in poverty? Why is the biggest growth sector in the economy the working poor? Because people have to work 40, 50 hours a week just to meet their financial commitments. 30% of Australians don't actually have enough cash in reserve to fix their refrigerator if it breaks down. Think about it. And how about the rest of us? We may not be on that slippery slope to homelessness or destitution, but we spend every minute of every day trying to make a buck to meet our bills in order to survive. While you've got other people who exploit this country's resources who are making billions of dollars of profit. So part of this independent, you know, Toscano for uh, Mulgrave independent campaign is based on the idea of new taxation. I know you're trembling. Well, it's not about an increase in the GST, which is a federal issue, but it's not about that where everybody pays. These are very selective ideas regarding taxation. As I said, 50% of stamp duty to be quarantined for public housing. Now, if we want to have energy security and food security and health education and recreation you know, security, we need new taxes. I make no bones about the fact. Now, this is the radical component of the campaign. The reforms are just reforms. But the radical part of the campaign is to get people who currently enjoy the largesse and natural resources of this country to pay towards resolving the issues which are faced by many people in our community. A 1% super land tax on landholders, individuals, businesses and corporations who own more than $5 million of property in Victoria. That would raise a pretty penny. A 1% rent tax on individuals, businesses and corporations who pay more than $5 million annually. The thing is, you see, it's all very well having a super land tax, but a lot of corporations don't own property. They rent property to legally minimise their taxes because it's a business expense. So why not apply a 1% rent tax on anybody, say if they pay $100 million, $95 $95 million of that, you pay an extra, you pay a 1% tax and that goes to helping to provide food security for people. And then you've got corporations that who use virtual platforms who pay minimal tax and no payroll tax or minimal payroll tax if they have a 1% turnover tax, if they have a, a turnover of more than $5 million per year. Again, these can be applied as state taxes. These are not necessarily needs a federal campaign. These are state taxes that can be applied tomorrow. See, it's a matter of political will. And while people are resigned to the fact that change is impossible, and while people are cynical about the possibility of change, and while people like, you know, take pot shots at people like you and me who think that, Change is possible, is not only possible, is necessary. 
then nothing will ever change. So, if you want to sit back and cross your legs and turn on your game, game, become a gamer or watch TV or Netflix, whatever you do to entertain yourself and try to block it all out, good luck to you because you can't block it all out. You can't block it all out unless you're independently wealthy and there aren't many listeners to this program who are independently wealthy. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program comes to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. Now, a little bit of self-publicity. Why not? Look, people have been asking me to do this for ages. So finally, with the help of 3CR in Melbourne, where the this program comes from has been broadcast in its various guises for the last 45 years. Finally, we've got a bit of merch, short for merchandise. Anarchist World This Week, Radical Radio, 3CR Broadcast Podcast, T-shirts. Now, if you're looking for a cheap bargain, sorry. Unfortunately, unlike most of the clothing industry in Australia which is based on uh, sweat labour overseas, these T-shirts are actually made in Australia by unionised labour. Not only are they made in Australia by unionised labour, they're screen printed in Australia by unionised labour. And obviously people need to be, in a capitalist society, be rewarded for the efforts they put into something. Now, if you'd like, we've only got 100 at this stage... If you'd like an Anarchist World this this week, Radical Radio 3CR T-shirt, it costs all of $35. That's right. It's not a $5 throwaway from a sweatshop somewhere. This is made in Melbourne, made in Australia, by unionised workers, which is very, very unusual in the clothing trade. Now, if you'd like one, and obviously they will disappear very quickly. Traditional black and uh, a kind of a lightish orange, or sorry, a lightish red, um, but uh, great graphics. If you want to have a look at what they look like, if you go to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au forward slash shop, S-H-O-P. If you're listening to this program anywhere in Australia, the T-shirt can be posted out to you, I think, for an extra $8.50. So, it's you know, it's a reasonable investment. Now, any profit which is made from the T-shirt will go to assist me to pay the Anarchist World this week uh, bill. That's right, yes. We're not supported by the corporate world and we're not supported by advertising. So this is... A one way of getting ideas across and another way of helping to pay the bills, the broadcasting bills. So it's a win-win situation for you. So go to the website 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Hopefully there'll be something up in the next few days. The T-shirts did arrive today at Studios 3CR in Melbourne. If you are in Melbourne you want to go for a walk, go to 21 Smith Street from about any time between... 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, sorry, 21 Fitzroy, 
Smith Street, Fitzroy, any time between about 9am and 4.30pm, and you can purchase one there. Try it on, purchase it. Or or you can ring 0394198377, and uh, get one. I can assure you there's no one, no other like it anywhere in the world. It's interesting how the state is reverting to form. Now, the state or the sovereign nation state originally evolved to ensure that the butchers, the murderers, the rapists who had a monopoly on the use of force were able to exercise that monopoly on the use of force. When we talk about the British royal, in inverted commas, family and their thousand-year history and the fact that that continues the history, I mean, that history is based on dispossession, murder, genocide, rape, theft. And how does that, how did that happen? Guns, religion and disease. Guns, religion and disease. So the state, up till the latter half of the 19th century was all-powerful and its citizens were little more than slaves. Well, they were serfs, they were slaves. Let's, let's be realistic. It's all very well to have, you know, um, established slavery, but many people, the great majority in places like Britain, other colonial states, were basically serfs, slaves in their own right. And the state, through the courts and the laws were structured in such a way as to ensure that the ruling families, in inverted commas, continued to be the ruling families ad nauseum. That's why we had dissent through biology. That's right. Not dissent through um, character or dissent. It was through biology. Very simple. So, but... In the 19th century and the, and the first half of the 20th century, we saw a whole series of revolutions and revolts around the world which forced the state to change its course because somehow it had to maintain its legitimacy and those people who had a monopoly on the use of force used the emerging concept of nationalism, that we all are part and parcel of the same nation-state and we're somehow better than another nation-state. And religion, to a significant degree, to maintain their powerful situation. It's no accident. The British monarchy, after Henry VIII, declared himself to be a church. The British monarch, in inverted commas, is both the head of the state and the head of the church, the dominant church. It's no no accident. So all, all through these revolts and revolutions and through the sacrifices made by people in World War II when they halted fascism, the state was forced to take on the interests of the people that were in that particular realm in order for them to survive they needed to take on the interests and we saw the introduction of you know things like universal health care 
pensions, sick pay, social security benefits in various ways, and the list goes on and on. The greater the revolt, the greater the revolutionary potential, and that's why this is what the Toscana for Mulgrave campaign is about. The greater the pressure that was placed on the state, the more reforms that rain down on the people. And if it wasn't for that pressure, those revolts, those revolutions, there would be no reforms. But the last 40 years has been a fascinating time, a fascinating time, because what we have seen, whether it's in Russia or Australia or Ukraine or Yemen, what we have seen is the state claw back the control it's able to exercise over people, not just in terms of personal freedoms, but in terms of economic freedom. Because to have disposable income in a capitalist society ensures that you have options. You have no disposable income, no options. And this has been done, and I know I've done this to death, but I'll do it again because it's important. It's been done in four ways. It's done by privatisation. What is privatisation? Privatisation is giving away or selling at bargain basement prices institutions which provide essential services for the community which have been built up and paid for by generations of taxpayers. Institutions which made not only provided essential services, which made profits, which went back into the coffers which were then used for the welfare of people. Today, today in the 21st century, especially in Australia and most other so-called Western liberal democracies, I should say Western capitalist liberal democracies, what we've seen is that most public assets have been privatised. In Australia, we've seen telecommunications privatised, the bank, Commonwealth Bank privatised, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories privatised, Medibank private, privatised, the ports privatised, the airports privatised, titles offices privatised, public housing, we're seeing the wholesale privatisation of the public housing sector, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So what does privatisation do? It means that people on average incomes and on social security benefits compete with those with disposable income in order to access essential services. So you may be a millionaire and you get an electricity bill of 10 grand and you go, (coughs) so what? But you may obtain a pension of, say, 400 uh, what, $400 a week, 20 grand, and you get an electricity bill over the year of two, $2,000, which is average these days, that's 10% of your income goes towards paying for an essential service. Because those essential services are privatised, there's no pressure you can actually put on them. If it's a government-owned service, pressure can be applied to deal with that situation. You could have the current pandemic highlighted what happens when you sell vaccination-making 
facilities like the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. For example, Mr Keating, the great Mr Keating, who must be laughing these days when he sees the value of the Australian dollar, which has slipped below 63 cents, back to the good old days of the 90s with the 18% interest rates, sold the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories for $285 million. I think it was $2.50 or $2.75 a share. You can't buy a share of CSL for less than 250 bucks these days. And then when it came to push came to shove, we found we had no vaccine manufacturing as well as research facilities in this country. So we we're behind the eight ball at the beginning of the pandemic. So that's what privatisation does. Right? You give away state assets to the private sector. And again, not because they can do it more efficiently. Look at the current fiasco with electricity, with gas and any other privatised entity. Look at the fiasco surrounding the privatisation of the aged care sector, the, the privatisation of early childhood development sector. Look at the chaos that occurs when you've got the NDIS, which is basically relying on a privatised service delivery sector and how the state is ripped off. Think about it. Then you've got this concept in, of, of globalisation. And I spoke about this before when I spoke about these, you know, T-shirts. This is a classical example of globalisation. Fine. We can get some cheap T-shirts into this country, but because of the the way other people in other parts of the world are exploited and continue to be exploited. If you try to make the same thing in this country, it's much more expensive. But do we really need to only wear clothing on seven separate occasions. Obviously, we can wear clothing for months, years. That's if you wash it, obviously. But that's what I'm saying. That's what globalisation is about. It's about exporting jobs to low-wage countries with no unions in order to bring in cheaper products at the expense of local workers and local skills. No wonder we have a skill shortage where over the last 40 years we've been doing everything possible to actually export jobs overseas so we can buy ch- cheaper T-shirts. Extraordinary. And then we've got corporatisation, and we say that, we see that. I mean, the logical endpoint of a capitalist society is a duopoly or a monopoly. Little fish are eaten by big fish, Bigger fish eat the bigger fish. And before you know it, you've got three or four corporations which dominate food distribution in this country, dominate telecommunications, dominate privatised aged care facilities, dominate early childhood development facilities, and dominate the national disability insurance sector. That's what corporatisation is about. And we have no laws in this country which prevent these corporations bankrupting their rivals, buying them at a bargain basement price and continuing. And then we've got deregulation. You know, they call it red tape, green tape, work tape. Obviously, regulations can be obnoxious, but many regulations which have come into place are there to protect people like the regulation to wear a fluoro jacket if you're on a work site, the regulation to have a licence if you drive a 
lift. The regulation, you know, it just goes on and on. Now, obviously, the private sector would like to get, and this is what the gig economy is about, get rid of all these regulations, make everybody an independent contractor and say, here's your five bucks for delivering that meal, or six bucks or whatever, but you're an independent contractor, mate. You pay your tax, you pay your super, you pay this, you pay that, you pay this, you pay that. Well, now, obviously, you're just, you're just basically another slave. That's what the gig economy is all about. So these four essential elements that have crept into our thinking in our society and the way we function as a community, privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation and globalisation have changed the face of Australia. Everybody now thinks they're an investor because they may have some money in their superannuation fund. And what is superannuation? The privatisation of your retirement, of old age. You pay for your retirement. Isn't that pathetic? And the list goes on and on. So, if we want to stop that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and their parliamentary allies who are too frightened to introduce legislation to bring in new taxes to ensure that we all have the services we need. Not deserve, but the services we need. Now, just to give you an example, the old Medicare struggle was health care, a right, not a privilege. Today, we're getting to the situation where health care is a privilege, not a right. So there's reforms that were made in 1973, 74, when uh, Medibank was initially introduced which is now called Medicare have all evaporated they've evaporated so that war that's been continuing over four decades mainly pushed by the Liberal National Party and the private health industry has to a significant degree been won and health care again in 2022 is a privilege not a right for a significant number of Australians especially those Australians on minimal wages who don't have access to a health care card, who are attempting to get health care or dental care or care for their kids, pay for their medications, and the list goes on and on. Now, these situations occur because we allow them to occur. We get seduced by the idea that we can all become millionaires. We get seduced by the idea that it's, you know, if we work hard, we grow rich. We get seduced by the idea that the only way for society to work is through a private investment for private profit model. No wonder 95% of businesses that open up close within five years because they find it much too difficult to survive in that climate. So, what do we do? Well... We demand services. We demand increased taxation on those sections of the community that can afford to be taxed, who use this country's investment-friendly laws to avoid tax. One-third of corporations paid no tax in the last financial year. That's a very, very, very good uh, number, isn't it, really, when you think about it? And as I said before, you want health care, you want education, you want food security, you want health security, you want the ability to have a holiday occasionally, 
You want all these things. Well, we need fundamental, structural, radical changes to the way we live. If we don't, tomorrow, the day after, the week after, the year after, the decade after, the century after, it'll be the same sorry old story. So, thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program has been produced by Kelly Whitworth. You can access the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign by going to the uh, go to the Toscano for Mulgrave Facebook page or the Joseph Toscano Facebook page. If you're interested in assisting, you can assist very easily. You can always leave leave a number on 0439 395 489. You can email me at info at pipsypibci.net. Go to the web page, you'll see what the campaign is all about. You can help in three ways through donations to help with printing costs and every donation will receive every donator will receive a receipt you can assist by the massive uh, leaflet drop we'll be holding on Sunday the 30th of October and Sunday the 6th of November and you can assist by being at a polling pre-polling booth from the 14th of November and at the polling booths on the 26th of November as I said before Nobody can do anything alone. If we want change, we need to work together. Don't forget, we've got a few things coming up. We've got the we've got the Eureka celebrations, 168th anniversary celebrations this year. The Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion has joined Ballarat Trades Hall in a joint celebration, and I'll tell you more about that next week. Don't forget the Francesco Fantine. Sunday, which I think will be on the 13th of November. That's at Murchison in regional Victoria. To uh, remember Francesco Fantine, uh, an anti-fascist who was murdered in an uh, internment camp in Australia in 18, 1942. And I'd also like to thank all those people who came to the Peter Norman Day on the 9th of October. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. My name is Joseph Toscana. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, the Toscano for Mulgrave um, Facebook page. You can go to the Public Housing Everybody's Business, Defend and Extend Public Housing, uh, Peter Norman page, and the list goes on on YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go to the web page, Pipsy Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pipsypibci.net. You can join online and it doesn't cost you anything except maybe a soul. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. And don't forget, if you want an Anarchist World this week T-shirt to assist to defray the costs of this program, you can ring on 039 419 8377 9am to 5pm Monday to Friday or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop Hmm Ah Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.